Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And we're back. It's part two of Hump Day with Swanee and Friends with our special guest, Mr. Eddie Maguire. Well, it, it's... Sam's here to straighten us up, of course, because we'll, we'll go down the wrong path. Of course, but, Ed, um, I'm sure you've heard this a million times as well. You, you speak about, I guess, Swanee's rise. You're also quite a remarkable man. You come from a similar background and you've made it in many different industries. Do you think it, it takes intrinsic motivation purely or... What I guess has motivated you along the way is there someone in particular that's influenced you to kind of create the life that you've created for yourself because you don't have a tertiary education. I guess you didn't, you know, as a 13-year-old starting out, you didn't go, I'm going to be the president of the Collingwood Football Club or the CEO mm, of Channel 9. You didn't. He's going to be well, a captain. <laughs> exactly. Did you I come be, with these I ambitions? The captain what's what kind of steered you along the way, I guess? Um, look, I think um, largely it was a sense of um, commitment to my parents' sacrifice to come to Australia. Australia, yep. uh, which ultimately was the best thing they ever did. So uh, coming out as uh, Swanee's uh, grandparents and Ralphie's grandparents, and I'm not sure of your family lineage, Sam, but uh, all of us other than the First Nations people, somebody got on a boat or a plane and came out here. Mm. And I'm loving at the moment being exposed to the African boys playing in the in the AFL who are mates of my sons. And uh, their stories, wow. You talk about what they're doing. It is just unbelievable, the stories that they've mm. got there, the hardship they've come through, and yet the sense of humour and what they're bringing to the table now is just wonderful. So for me, look, it was always a, a matter of, you know, the nuns used to tell us in the old days, to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm. And I always felt I'd been given a pretty good hand because my parents were so great. Mm. We, you know, we had a great uh, um, uh, loving family out there. It was tough. Um, and But we also knew what it was about. And Dad always drilled into us that this was the land of milk and honey. You know, that uh, this is the chance. You know, you've been given Willy Wonka's golden ticket to life. Mm-hmm. It's up to you what Make you do with it. it. So that was always it. And, and I suppose um, I went through – I got to a position pretty early in life where making mistakes wasn't going to be the end of things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I realised – and maybe realised whether I was right or wrong in my head. I thought, no, I, I can actually stand up in open company – and I was lucky I won a scholarship to CBC St Kilda. And then even just playing footy and, 
and doing things against other schools like De La Salle and, uh, you know, uh, St Bernard's and Essendon and St Bede's and all those ACC schools. And then we'd play in combined comps against uh, other, you know, these big-name kids from, you know, the big private schools and you suddenly realised that, you know, they felt it when you ran through them as much as anything else. And, uh, and people along the way, I, I, look, I read ferociously people like Jeff Hunt, the world squash champion, who realised that if he was the fittest bloke in the world, he was a chance. Mm. Um, I read a story that my brother wrote once in the Herald about uh, Brent Croswell, the great player who realised as a 16-year-old coming from Tasmania in his first game, and he was up against some of the biggest names in the AFL on the MCG, and he belted somebody, and the wind came out of them, and they started to look over their shoulder a little bit, and he realised, okay, there's a bit of intimidation, there's a little bit of uh, you know showmanship and all this sort of thing, but... You know, get in and get get after it, and you can make it your own. So that was always the go. So for me, yeah, I was always ambitious. I must admit, um, you know, I always wanted to be the class captain. I always wanted to win the race. And sadly to say this, when the new kid came to the class, uh, the first thing I did is got him out to see if I was faster than him, <laughs> or could he kick a footy, or whatever the case was. So yeah, it was I was uh, competition was something that was very much in my mind. Um, but that was because. There was a big gap between my older sister was five years older than my brother, seven to me, and five to my sister. So we're all while well, we all lived in the same house, we're all sort of only kids yeah, at the same nice. time. And you know, I, I idolised my brother, and he was a great sportsman coming through and won scholarships, and my sister did that. So for me, that was the that that was the natural path, and uh, and you had to win them. It wasn't like you won them and isn't that great. It was you you either did that or you didn't go to that school. And for so, now, do you do you follow a plan or do you just follow what excites you? Because you're well, a I very think, passionate man. Yeah, I think, look, what I'm trying to do now is uh, in the business that we have here at Jam TV is give people the chance that I had. You know, uh, you know I'm, I'm not trying to make out that I'm St Vincent de Paul, but uh, we, we are doing that. We're, we're, we're wanting to build that up. Um, and, you know, hopefully, you know, you've got to make a, any business, you've got to make a quid for it to stay alive. But um, if you can do that, I think it's, you know, you get, a, you get a lot of benefit. And, you know, I'm watching my sons now coming through and, you know, having their lives. And, and it's, it's their time. So I'm, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable. And similar to Bert Newton, you mentioned that he will bring people to the table and ask them what's going on with them. Yeah. Not necessarily for what benefits him or what benefits you, but it ends up in turn organically ends up benefiting It's a natural himself. curiosity. And, you know, I watch even, you know, Sam Newman is, is a guy who, you know, uh, tries to carry on as if he's uh, you know some curmudgeon, but Sam reads everything, watches everything, understands everything, and and that was you know back in the day when we came together, and his generosity of spirit. You know people can have their opinions on Sam, but uh, but sitting next to him, he would throw himself on a grenade or or pull the pin on the grenade and sit on it to mm. to give the show. He would do whatever he needed to do to make it better, and. Uh, they're the sorts of people you look at. It's not the, quite the obvious thing sometimes. You've got a little, little bit, you know, people make mistakes, but you, you've got to look at, at, at where they are. At the same time, that doesn't mean that we don't look back on things and say, yeah, well, that, that, you, that was okay on that day, but it's not okay today. You know, I, I always blanch a little bit when people say politically correctness. You know, that's, that's a cop-out one way or the other, just as cancelling is a cop-out mm. one way or the other. There's a, there's a happy medium. Do you think it's gone too far or...? Well, I, I, as I said to you before, Swanee, I, I worry sometimes with activism journalism. Um, having said that, you know, I come from uh, a family of, of activists in a, in a lot of yeah. ways. I mean, I, you know, Irish family. It was, yeah. it was you know, they might have invented activism <laughs> in the twentieth century, um, and you know, uh, 
you know, if your dad's been in a war, that's that's the ultimate form of activism, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, so you learn from all those things, and and we saw it over the years, and and I look at it now, and you know, when all that carry on was going on about the African mm-hmm. youths. It was exactly the same as what I saw growing up in Broadmeadows. That it was, you know, it was the Turks, and before that, it was, you know, it was it was the Vietnamese who were going to be the the, the, oh, the major drug dealers, and before that, it was the Irish. And uh, in the sixties, you know, it was, it, you know, the papers in Melbourne. People don't realise this had NCA, no Catholic apply. In in England, when my mum arrived on a cattle boat, um, just on the last day of the war, the papers said no Irish, no blacks. You know, so it was pretty, you know, Ralph's got uh, his his family, you know, got through the Holocaust and some didn't. So, you know, I often look back now and think maybe we're at the start of a new a new beginning where everyone hid things in the old days. Don't talk about the war, don't talk about this, keep it quiet. You know, and, you know, I look at those people who are before me and then I look forward and hopefully we've got to a stage now where there is a, a lot more of the open-mindedness to, to take society forward so you want to draw from the, the the errors and the successes of the past but not be beholden to them and i think we've got this opportunity but i, I look back and see you know people you know it's probably our generation probably i'm the first one to come through where there wasn't necessarily a fear of being conscripted to go to war my older brother just got through that so it's you know it's, it was i remember the conversations mm. in the house about conscription for vietnam Whereas I got through it and there was this whole new world. So, you know, we've had some economic turmoil. Um, but, you know, I think Australia's in a really good position if we open our minds to what we need to be. What about what about the footballers? Because, you know, even these days a coach can't really be seen mm. to be yelling at – like someone's – if a coach is going off, he sits at a player on a bench or something, it's, it's in the paper for three days where – yeah, I think when I, think I first started, if you weren't getting yelled at, like it was a one, we one are being yelled at. Like, <laughs> we get yelled we're at, you're going to get dropped and yeah, hit the sack. Is exactly. no one cares about so you. All uh, look, uh, uh, yeah, there's a combination. I mean, as I said, you and I could have it out because yeah. I, I knew it was going to get through, um, and and similarly, you could come back at me and we could talk about things, and you knew it was going to end at that, and we sort of knew what yeah. the rules were. But yeah, you've got to be careful. I mean. You know, I came through the time when, when they were giving kids the cuts at school mm. and, you know, I look back on all that sort of stuff and how that actually camouflaged a lot of um, heinous crimes that had gone through for the best part of, you know, maybe for time immemorial, but certainly over that period of time where teachers who were brutes would just belt the hell out of kids mm. and mm. even, you know, and that covered for sexual misconduct and rape and murder and suicide. So you've got to take all that into account. So it's it's one of those ones, it's like everything in life. The extremes mm-hmm. are always the extreme on both sides. In the middle, you know, if you you spoke to your child in, in a way, uh, you know what you're doing and you see the response mm-hmm. and you hug and you do things and it, it gets the message through. Mm-hmm. Other times it, it, it's, it, 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 it is used as a, as a very blunt force weapon. Um, you know, as I said, when, if I gave you a, a pay, it was through a sense of love mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, trying to destroy your life. Other people aren't so generous in their mm. thoughts on that sort of thing. So, yeah, it is. It's, it's a hard one. And that's why, you know, I, I just think that at the moment there's too much one way or the other. And I think the echo chambers of, of uh, social media is the big issue. And I talk to my boys about this, you know, if you're not 100% in agreement with somebody these days, you get cancelled. Yeah. Mm. You know, I mean, you can only be out by, you know, what would have been a faction in a political party mm. once upon a time is now seen as the enemy. And then if you're in from another faction, then you are really the enemy. If you're the opposite party, then you should be shot at dawn. Mm. And uh, I just think that, 
yes, we have to calm it down a little bit. The pendulum has swung probably mm. too far back one way, but not too far that to say that where it was wasn't in the wrong spot too. Mm. Does that make sense? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, no, you, you gave me some flashbacks. Um, so, like, now there might be something in the paper literally of a swastika's on a bus stop yeah. somewhere. How, we're, we're such a racist country on it. It was on every second school bag and desk at Caulfield Tech. Yeah, but, right. that, that, but that doesn't mean it's right. So, so, no, of course it doesn't. See, so, so I, 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 I have a zero policy on these things, yeah. you know, and, you know, and I've been tr- somehow dragged into all this, into the racism, sometimes on mm. the, seem to be on the wrong side of it, which is completely anathema for everything I stand for 100%. and anyone who knows that. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting, you know, because you've got to be careful sometimes. You know, I was, I've spoken to the AFL, in fact, uh, the night before I, uh, the, uh, the, 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 moment I spoke on the radio and, and had that uh, terrible uh, slip with Adam Goods was I'd stayed on for four days because we had people ringing up saying um, this is terrible uh, that he's carrying on. It's a poor girl. And you go, no, 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 no. So I, <coughs> I was actually pretty good. But the night before I spoke at a symposium where we raised money for Indigenous scholarships. And th- the point to that is not wasn't I good for being there, but we had a debate or uh, – not so much a debate in a formal sense, but we had a really good conversation about the private schools in Melbourne bringing the kids down. And I had interviewed uh, Cyril Rioli, who had told me that he cried every night for the first two or three years he was at Scotch College. Not because it was bad, just because he missed his parents mm. and missed his life. And in some ways we're looking at that, is is this sort of a new, improved, semi-stolen generation type thing, getting these kids, where... Mick Long, Michael Long, who's been a great friend of mine and I, I remain the chairman of his foundation, mm. not that I do as much as I'd like to and he drives the whole thing, but we were trying to promulgate an idea of building the facilities in Darwin, mm. which uh, may as well be New York if you're living on the Tiwi Islands, far yep. less coming to Melbourne. So that was where the, 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 you know, the, the conversation was in our heads and trying to work it through and it's still something we need to do, which is why I think, to be perfectly honest, we should be looking at putting a team in Darwin rather than, uh, you know, at the same time as Tasmania. I won't say instead of Tasmania because mm. I think if we're going to do that, we need two teams in. But if we had a far north Australian team, uh, what would that do for Indigenous footballers and netballers and sports people if they could actually have the big time in their backyard? The facilities, That's yeah. what we need to mm. build the facilities, get the schooling behind them. And not only that, it's the knock-on effect. Suddenly you've got football callers, you've got football journos, you've got physiotherapists, you've got trainers, doctors, etc., etc. That's what you need to do. So coming back probably in a roundabout way to what you said, Sam, coming out here to Australia where uh, my parents said, you can be anything, whereas Dad couldn't be because he was a Catholic in Glasgow after the war. There was no jobs. Mm. And uh, that was the change-up. Um, you came to Australia, and even though it was the 60s and 70s, this was just you know, the land of opportunity. And we've got to make sure we do that for everybody. Women have had a hard time of it. They have had a hard time of it. And, you know, you can muck around as much as you like, but we have to come up with sensible opportunities for women returning to work after kids, coming back into the workforce uh, in their 40s and 50s once they've been able to do things like that, get them through if they're, if they're single parents. Um, how do we get... What do we do as far as preschooling and those types of things? They're, they're, they're things that sensible people should be thinking of not just yelling abuse at each other, you know. I, I look at uh, going into COVID, and for me, homeschooling, but also the breaking up of the day, seems to be one of the most sensible things we should be doing. Why does everybody go to work at 9 o'clock in the morning? Every kid's on the road, every tradie's on the road, there's log jam, it's, it, it's ridiculous. There's things mm. we should be doing and thinking of 
And I look at it going into COVID like going into World War II. They went in with biplanes and came out with nuclear energy. The world's not going back to where it was. No. It's where we need to take it. And what we can do is start the rules, start again. And, you know, I think uh, uh, racism is a, is a huge issue in the world, remains and, and sadly always will be, but it doesn't have to be here, yeah. okay? can be an issue in America, can be an issue anywhere else, doesn't have to be here in Australia. Women's rights, absolutely. You know, it's not that long ago that women couldn't get into university courses. In my lifetime, mm. they had to give up their job once they got married and things like that. That's in my lifetime. Mm. And even, sadly, even I'm probably giving pregnant. myself up now. But, <laughs> but, you know. Even when I was pregnant, many people would say to me, oh, how, how are you going to work? Yeah. And I kind of said, sorry? Well, what see, you, I grew up with – my mum had to work, otherwise we didn't eat. Mm. So they worked it out. She worked afternoon shift at the old Nabisco factory in Ericsson's <laughs> up in Broadie, yep. Swanee. And, uh, you know, and Dad came home and my brother came home from school when I was three or four and my sister came home, you know, and, and that was it. And Mrs Boswell around the corner minded me between three and four when they were coming home from school. You worked it through. Mm. So you go, okay, and that worked and it kept their family going. So why can't we then work out a better way to do it with preschools and, and, and that type of thing, you know? How do we work out where people are actually going to schools and putting in preschools maybe you know, at where people are working. So mum can come down at, at, at lunchtime and have lunch with the kids and do things like that. It's not, it's not rocket science. But well, there could be a top job <laughs> uh, for you, Ed, um, at the head of this state. I well, I think sometimes you've got to... thinks he could do a better job <laughs> as far as <laughs> COVID management goes, yeah. but perhaps but Sam, the rest, it could be a joint effort. You could run no, but the COVID you in there. You need you in there as well because what we're gonna, I think what we've got to do is we've got to actually start thinking about how do we make people's life great? How do we have fun? Right, the minister for fun over here. <laughs> over <laughs> We've here got is, a minister for fun. But you know, but right. but Swanee's. I've learned a lot from Swanee over the journey, and I'm not being obsequious here. And that is, he starts with how can we make everything as good as it possibly can be, and work back from there. Yep, success is all there, but that's not necessarily the driving motive. Right, where it probably was for me, mm. but Swanee found that balance. And you know, I think if we can get to that, where we say, how do we make people's life better in the first instance? So instead of saying, all right, you're a, you're a working woman, you know, let's make this as hard as possible, start at 9 o'clock, don't do this, you know, we've been able to do it with, by, talking to, by talking to, not talking at, mm. but speaking with women here in our office. And, you know, we've got some of the, you know, the most important people who have driven our business to success are women who couldn't get jobs until we were able to sit down and work out how it fitted into their lifestyle. Now, I've never seen a woman who you treat well ever do anything other than give them themselves so much. Mm. So, you know, some of the women who, who have got younger kids or single mums are able to take their kids to school, pick them up at 3.30 or 3 o'clock, go and watch the netball or the football. So our rule here is if I'm going to watch my kids play, so does everyone else. Mm -hmm. And suddenly what happens? You don't miss a beat. In fact, things seem to remarkably happen quickly mm. and more efficiently and you work together and it all comes together. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to put myself up as St Vincent de Paul, but sometimes I just get driven insane by this is the way we do it or this is the way it's always been. It doesn't mm. have to be. It's not it is what it is, it is what you make it. it is exactly. Well, it is what's the best result. Mm. should be. We want to finish with two different premiership stories I want to ask you okay. about. But but firstly, 2020, COVID hits, the world's insane. Mm. Did you have to distance yourself from Dane Swan and Luke Tarsi? Because they were the two political activists that have obviously <laughs> both had long associations with you. Were you embarrassed to be part of them? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, quite the contrary. You know, I, I, I had a few. And, 
but it's important to take the other person's view, even yeah. if they're one hundred percent wrong. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but they were no, but that's, that's the thing. Again, that's split into you know. I, I, I was getting texts of abuse from people because <laughs> what's what you Darcy would say? No, no, but because they they they, they wanted to lump me into a position. Yes. Whereas I, you know, I thought as you know, I'd like to think I'm a moderate in most things uh, and and probably progressive. Yep. Um, but it was, it was quite it was quite funny. No, it was it was funny at, at the start, and then it actually was quite disconcerting to see people actually losing their wick yep. and calling you this and your effing mate Dan Andrews and it gets you're this. Personal, and, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Settle down. You know, I want to go out too. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to actually be going to work, and I'd like to be going to the footy, and I'd like to be doing all the things that I'm missing out on. But you know, let's work through how best we do that. Um, but I think that's the essence of life, though. Um, when you can have really good friends who have totally different opinions and ideologies at times, um, you know, um, and you learn more from people who bring something different. As I said, my biggest worry is that we're becoming an echo chamber—that only people who say the same thing or agree with everything that you say. Luckily, I don't have that at my house where <laughs> you know, my boys are very forthright, uh, Swanee, in, in giving me plenty back. So I'm getting yeah. a bit of my own medicine back. And, and Carla is an independent person who, you know, when I met her, she was a very successful businesswoman in her own right. And uh, so, and for me, my mother worked, you know, my sister has worked, all, sisters have lived, worked their lives, have done things. So for me, you know, sometimes I've got to catch myself in that my experience of women in the workforce and particularly in journalism and in the media has been largely a very, very progressive one. Mm. And uh, you have to realise that that's not necessarily what's going on in, in the greater, wider world. But, and I, I, just on that and, and the views, I actually like when, uh, say on Twitter, like you, you usually only follow people that you like their views on. So like, I sometimes try to follow and hear other opinions which I don't necessarily like or believe in because it seems to be that these days if you don't like a view you should be cancelled or if you don't like um if you give an opinion it doesn't mean i don't like you personally if i don't like your opinion like that yeah. dan anderson he sure he very well he's a good person there's nothing against him personally i just had a different view to how we should be reacting but you give your view and all of a sudden you know the squeaky wheel gets the most all of a sudden bang you mm-hmm. should be cancelled from your job you shouldn't have a job you shouldn't should be done this you should be doing that or because you have a different a difference of opinion, and that's about it. Where I think so many people today just get caught up in their own opinion that you can't have a different one. And you can, you can you change your opinion. Fired. Yeah, you, you can change way. your opinion. Some exactly. of the best debates I've ever had is uh, you know in the shower. You know, <laughs> you know I argue with myself. <laughs> Who won? <laughs> but, but isn't you that do the point argue, of conversation? changes because you sit down with somebody who comes it brings up a point. You go, she hadn't thought about that, or they mm. put some facts on the table. I go, oh, that's interesting. That's that data stacks up, and right, oh, there's some historical data. And this one, oh, okay, right. I've I've moved mm. my position. I mean, you have to think about uh, you know I'll, you know the position that I was as a kid who went to you know a Catholic school in Broadmeadows, and and that was basically what you heard was what was on you know Channel Nine News or Channel Seven News and the priest on a Sunday. Uh, that that you, you had a pretty narrow view of of the world, and then suddenly uh, your views open up completely, and you know all those type of things. Uh, you know come into life and so this is the, the situation so yeah wrapping it all up in a bow people just need to be a little bit open mind doesn't mean you d- don't have to be definitive mm. but in a lot of ways you know and i'll bring it back to a football analogy it's a bit like barracking for collingwood as the one true religion in in the afl sense 
yet we love the AFL and we know that we all have to work together. So, you know, you go to the footy, the umpire blows the whistle, 50% of the audience think he's an idiot, the other 50 <laughs> think finally he's got it right. Mm. Um, and, and that's where it is a bit in life at the moment. Just People just need to just calm down and, you know, look, a lot of it's dog whistling in, in media mm. because they're looking for a they response. Like the yeah. They yeah, they're looking for a poke it and, you know, you... That's where it's at. So I've got to set this up. I'm the, <laughs> okay. unknown, I'm the unknown. But uh, firstly, so I was with Ed for 10 years for the people who don't know. This from 94 to 2004. And I do know that... Came to my Bucks night. Really? Oh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. That's for another podcast. Did you have any hard conversations with Ed? Or did Ed have many hard conversations oh, with you? Yeah, more, more you sort of Flinders Lane one way, you sort of traffic <laughs> there, don't but what? I, but where I was getting to actually was I do know that if you had the best idea, Ed would listen. Sometimes you had to pitch that idea a second or third time, Dane, and that was that was you had to you had to bite on a damn cloth, as Sam would say. But um, you you would you would listen, <laughs> and and uh, and and we had some great success along the way. One of them, which was Michael Log, that you brought up. Mm. Do you remember his first appearance at the Footy Show? It was at the singing. So the, yeah. the background to it, and yeah. it's on YouTube somewhere. It's hilarious. <laughs> was uh, it was when ironically about the first time it really became a racial issue, and he said. He, he went a second time at a press conference and we were going to get him on as a guest in the footy show and he agreed to it. And I pitched hard, Ed, mm. that he should be a panel member, not a just yeah. a guest, because if he comes on as a guest, he can only talk about racism. Yeah. But if he says a panel member, he can bring his other personality. Back and forth, back and forth. He said he'll do it as long as he can bring his guitar and sing a song. Yeah. <laughs> How do you reckon that went? Living next door to Sheedy, yeah. which was uh, living next door to Alice. <laughs> Sheedy, Sheedy, Kevin bloody Sheedy. <laughs> and it just blew everyone's uh, mind uh, away and we got to see the personality exactly. of Exactly, and that's the thing. You see a more rounded person yep. and, you know, uh, you know Longy's... Long walk and, uh, you know, those things. And, uh, you know, my brother was involved with, with Longy and all yep. that type of thing. But Michael was just unbelievable, you know, yes. what, what he did. And, you know, again, but what I liked about Michael was that once he made the point, he was also about reconciliation, you know. So at the moment we're still – and I can understand the anger. I mean, you know, <laughs> you talk to me about what happened to, uh, you know, my family two generations back, and that's my grandfather – in in the early part of last century during uh, the black and tans in Ireland you know so I've got a complete affinity with what's what's going on I mean there's there, you know there's plenty of people who say they haven't been to you only have to see where the Brits have gone to see uh, you know displaced people behind it who have actually got a commonality of purpose but at that stage we the, the way forward has always been opportunity so rather than stay back you know the great thing about the, I think about the Irish was they travelled and they got going and 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 you know they, they've come out they've been an amazing uh, uh, situation in the last ten years after the uh, you know the the stories about the horror of what was going on with the church in Ireland you know which was such a strong part of it changed altogether you know as you know Swanee and I joke about it the you know it was like the Scots and the Irish once they got over the equator they threw their bigotry over the side of the you know, they all hated hated each other because they were Catholics or Protestants, and they got to Australia, and suddenly they were they were Scots and <laughs> Irish, and they all came together. And yeah. you know, so yeah, I, I've got great hope in yeah. in Australia, and I hope that we see more and more, you know, hopefully public figures. Politics has seemed to have gone you know down uh, the the American way a lot more, um, but I'd like to see a lot more public figures you know be able to get up and change their mind. You know, that's, that's, there's nothing better than when somebody changes their mind. 100%. Especially if they change it to what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, so. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I have to set this up before yeah. I talk about the Melbourne Premiership. Mm hmm. Players aside, has anyone in your media career shit you as much as I have collectively during my ten years with you? Probably, I'd, I'd be. Oh, there's I'd a fair list. I reckon. Right. <laughs> I'd be near no. The top. no, no. What is a Melbourne supporter? <laughs> no, no, no. Just annoying you. It's no. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no, what I want to say is, I'm not carrying favour here, <laughs> yeah. and that's unfortunately, Dane. Over the journey, I probably should have to different people in the media, and I didn't. That's why I'm not doing it. Thank you so much for what you did for footy in Melbourne. Because I'm very confident that Melbourne, if not the Bulldogs, if not both, would never have won a premiership. Because in your DNA at the footy show during that time, it wasn't just about Collingwood, even though that was be at the theatre or the reality. Your 100% belief, and I remember you having these conversations, were you're not going to change one person who doesn't back for Collingwood to back for Collingwood. But if you make Collingwood, uh, sorry, Melbourne and North and St Kilda and Bulldogs as strong as possible, Collingwood will be the beneficiary because instead of a crowd of 40,000, there'll be 70,000 there. And that's the best thing for the entire comp, to give every team every chance. And that has been in your day now as a mm. grown-up Melbourne boy through the VFL days. And Melbourne and the Bulldogs, no way both would have won premierships in the past few years that they have. And it was, like I said, one of the greatest feelings of my life. And you text me after, after the D's won the premiership and I just thought, well, fuck, if Ed didn't do all those things <laughs> and have it in your belief when the footy show was so powerful and mm. people under 35 wouldn't know how powerful it was, late 90s, early noughties, there probably wouldn't have been a premiership. So, mate, thank you. Well, look, I think the other thing with that, and there was other good people involved in it, obviously, but um, had we not changed what I thought was the most archaic rule, for me... And you'll, you'll laugh when you hear me say this because mm. you used to hear me say it all the time. My biggest criticism of the AFL was it was a marketing exercise, not a competition. Mm-hmm. Okay? So there was no way known on God's earth that Melbourne, North Melbourne, St Kilda, Western Bulldogs um, could win a premiership when they were paying 92.5 of the salary cap and the interstaters were paying 110. Mm. Okay, I mean that's with the facilities on the other side, yeah. just leave it for there for the yeah. moment. Okay, just sure. stick with that. Forget yep. the facilities; that just wasn't going to happen. Now, I can understand the argument for you know people getting extra in city, but this business of they're running so badly, um, let's keep them poor. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hey, you and I knew that in Brody, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know? what, what's the best way to you know to get people to, to lift, give them opportunity? You got somebody's foot on your head, you know, and that's why I fought so hard, and it, it affected my um, career at times. But the whole thing of the salary cap. Now, I didn't. I was never fighting for Collingwood to get anything more. I just said no. Everyone should have a fair go. Yep. That's why I've always fought hard for the draft. Everyone should get a fair go. Unencumbered draft. You finish bottom, you get the first pick. 
you can trade now and do all that sort of stuff. That's good because it, you know, you've got to have some. Uh, there's got to be a little bit of uh, um, sense in there and, and reward for opportunity and having the good people working at your club, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's 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 life. That's that's about winning. But this whole situation, you're running a, a competition where the fixture was a fix, that the salary cap was a fix. Salary cap was supposed to make things even. <laughs> and, mm. and people weren't able to have – some were on 120 or 110, 115. Some were not allowed to have more than 92.5. Now, that 8% of the pop, of, of the salary cap is your three best players. Mm. So you're going into games. And it just was ridiculous. So are we better for the fact, first of all, that we didn't get rid of all those teams? All those teams you mentioned or I've mentioned there have all been put up for, for auction – um, and or merger over the years. Melbourne was supposed to merge in the 80s. People forget this one with North Melbourne. Yep. Deal was done. They're going to be called the Melbourne Kangaroos. Made a lot of sense. Melbourne didn't have a training ground. Yep. Arden Street just down the road. MCG. Red V. Blue and white stripes. Classic uh, uh, Australian emblem. The kangaroo and Melbourne. Marketer's dream. Yeah. They couldn't figure out who was going to be the president. <laughs> that was the, that was the falling. That's where it yeah. fell over. Wow. And then you had all the other ones. You know, is, are we better for having Hawthorne? Are we better? And I always had a crack. You know, there's there's this. Um, a lot of the media get in. They carry on sometimes. There's a lot of cliches. Oh, the you know the the the, the commission. Commission's done a great job, but they've made some howlers along the way. We lost one. Mm. You don't lose a team and go. Everything's been great. We lost Fitzroy. Now they're going to make rationalists at the time. Wanted Fitzroy gone. Melbourne gone. Um, probably St Kilda, relocation, all the rest of it. The first time I asked, and only time I ever asked as President of Collingwood for any help from the AFL, they said, yeah, but you have to play interstate games. They're going to put Collingwood interstate. <laughs> Seriously. <right? laughs> At which time we escorted the said AFL officials <laughs> out of the Collingwood Social Club. Um, can, can I give you a little time out during the year, Samantha? Said to, said to Dane, there was some game we were previewing, have you ever played it? played at Cairns. <laughs> Dane, Samantha, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, Beg your pardon. And, you yeah, and that's why, you know, yeah. when they all start carry on now about the MCG, mm. oh, we need all this sort of stuff. And I remind them, Richmond went to Cairns, Melbourne went to wherever mm. they went, uh, Hawthorne went to... T- they all went. We sat in the building site for two years and paid for it. Mm. So that's why Collingwood exactly. supporters get first crack we at tra- We travel down to Etihad so we go. It's disgraceful. I don't know yeah, why we do that. No the stuff still haven't figured out how that Attractive. happened. Two home games a year. What the hell is that all about? But no even about experts, but I, I go past fences. Well, no, I'll get back to your point, Ed, but I, you go past fences with the red and blue yeah. demons painted yeah. on it since the premiership. Yeah. And every time I look at that, I think, Ed... Remember those geniuses who said we should have white away jumpers? Yeah. No, 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 we fucking shouldn't. No. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. And just you were the same with black and white. Uh, mate, you have to have those just things. It's, that's the symbol. The rest of it, you know, Mick Moldash used to have a line that uh, it's the jumper that holds us all together. These days, particularly the draft, it's not like we're recruiting them from Lulee Street. We're getting yeah. them from everywhere. <laughs> Half of them come in, they've never heard the song before. Yeah. And you've got to have that, that and it mean, means something. I mean, I used to always have this argument when I was living in Sydney for, for a while. Um, for a couple of years, I'd turn on the television and I remember one time looking at a game, it was being played in Tasmania, Hawthorne were wearing camouflage, literally, <laughs> and uh, they were playing Fremantle who were wearing fancy dress as well. And it took me the best part of a couple of minutes to figure out whether it was a VFA game or a VFL game or some other game or because I was in Sydney, I thought, oh, it might be the Sydney League, I'm not sure. And I f- realised it was actually an, it was an, an AFL, AFL game. game. Yeah. It was only because, you know, I don't know, Buddy took a mark or somebody, Pavlich took a mark or did something. And I went, well, this is unbelievable. These are teams in the northern areas that were trying to who, – who don't who, – who, who flat out knowing who Collingwood is, far less anything else. 
and you looked at it, the, the, now everyone who's got half a brain looks at uh, the Rugby Super League where these teams that just look like they're wearing, you know, yeah. vomit. Um, <laughs> just those jumpers that did had no, and they were called Brumbies and things. No one knew who they were. The branding is everything. It's, you know, imagine going to Coca-Cola and saying, we're going to change Coca-Cola again. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what they've been doing. You've got to be able to turn the television on and go, right, big time, black and white, that's Collingwood. And, you know, that's Melbourne. You know, we, they wanted Carlton to wear white one time against us because they were into this, one's got to be dark. And I said, no, 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 no. No, we're not playing Carlton. They wear navy blue. Yeah. You know, and I said, well, I'm happy for us to wear the whitish jumper um, for us so that it makes sense. You know, well, I did a do with... black or white, yep. Well, but, but, <laughs> right but I did a do with Frank Costa and yeah. then they forgot about it Geelong and uh, wanted to arc up until <laughs> they realised how stupid it was because we played one time when we had this really white jumper against Geelong at the MCG and it was a wet day. No one knew who, who was... And the umpires were in white. It was ridiculous. <laughs> so I did a do with Frank. said, look, we'll wear the black shorts, black socks. You are predominantly white hoops, white with blue... Wear the white shirt. Never had a problem ever again until mm-hmm. somebody decided to go out. You know, they, they decided to arc up and so we're going to wear shorts. Now they, they wear it. You know, they, they see it and it makes sense. There is no team. And here's the thing. I'm going to, you've got me off now. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily game. the jumper. It's the shorts that's the killer. Mm. Right? It was okay maybe when Warwick Cap was getting around. But these days they're wearing, you know, board shorts. But it's the colour of the shorts. Now, if, for example... And people go, Essendon can't wear red shorts because they look silly in the 70s. Yeah, because they were dyed Jonkos. Right? <laughs> Kids love fluoro these days, right? Fluoro. If Essendon wore red shorts against Richmond wearing black shorts, yep. they could have their jumper. If the, in the opposite game, Richmond wore yellow shorts. If Collingwood wears black and white, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you don't need to change them. And you turn up every week. And I, I I've seen the figures. This thing about, oh, everyone buys 17 jumpers. No, they, don't. they buy one. Yeah. And you know which one gets sold more? Collingwood. Why? Because the kids and the parents know that they're six to four on, that they're going to wear the same jumper as Dane Swan is running out in the ground. So they buy one every year. And there's enough changes on sponsors and all the rest of it to make it that kids will want to buy them. I can't tell you the fights I had at the Demons. I said, no, no, we've got an away strip. It's royal blue and red. Hmm. Our team team is red and blue and we've got an away strip. And Cameron Schwab at the time said, I was having a chat with him, he said, that reminds me of a really unsuccessful era. I said, do you know what it reminds me of? He said, well, I go, when I was a kid barracking for Melbourne and you were barracking for Richmond. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It should be about your DNA, what you grew up, and that's the attachment. And and what is the, and and the Melbourne jumper, when they wear that that, that royal blue now, looks great. Yeah. Looks great. And and, and the same with, you know, the the thing with Port Adelaide, which is, that's a political, (laughs) but that's that's a political thing on the side. I've jumped into Bath for you a couple of times there. There's no, 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 to. I mean, you know, the problem is Gil McLaughlin's still got family in Adelaide, so he won't, <laughs> won't just come out and legislate. But why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you go hard on, you know, w- when we watch the highlights of uh, Sean Burgoyne uh, yeah. you know, for his, his retirement, you look at their jumpers and you go, yeah, the teal look good. Yeah. I, I know my, my wife actually was in the rag trade and they put a, a whole range of black and white and teal, not knowing anything about Port Adelaide, sold like like you wouldn't believe. So anyway, but that's, that's another thing for another day. But, you know... Your DNA and those things are so important, and I just think sometimes the economic rationalists and the marketers just miss what it's all about. It's about passion. We've been ridiculously generous. So, speaking of passion and DNA, just describe the photo behind Dane to finish with. Mm. <laughs> uh, Colleen Patch from the Herald Sun took that without me knowing, and uh, 
the photo, and I'm happy for Swanee to take a photo and put it up on his social so he can have a look at it. But <laughs> what it is, it was actually taken in colour, and I got it redone in black and white. And what it was, was um, I was standing in the rooms after the Premiership in 2010, and suddenly I looked around and I was half on my own. I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> and uh, I walked up and the, the, uh, the, Neil the boots that I said, oh, the boys are out in the ground. So I went out to just have a look. I just wanted to have a look at it, to just see this moment and just be an observer. And standing in the race, people hanging over the fence and drive me mad a little bit. So what it is, I walked around um, behind the goals at the uh, at the Collingwood Social Club end of the MCG and uh, at the city end. And I stood there and Carla, my wife, stayed in the, in the race and I grabbed my two boys and I walked over and just stood uh, in the goal square. So... The, the, the picture makes it look a lot closer, but in fact, we're right on the goal line, basically, mm. and the boys are in the centre circle, so miles away from it. And I had uh, my two little boys under each arm and my other boys out in the middle of the ground celebrating the greatest moment in my life. And for me, it was a culmination of everything. And I actually – I know exactly what I was saying uh, to the boys at that stage, and I said to them, boys, this is what it's all about, mateship, camaraderie, dedication, hard work, setting a target – working towards it and having the ultimate success. And this is what success looks like. Don't worry about fame, don't worry about money. This is what it's all about in life, setting yourself a purpose and achieving it and having people to share it with. And uh, that was it. And uh, so that photo appeared in the paper and I remember opening up the paper, might have been on the Monday, it was a couple of days later, and just looking at it and going, wow, mm. and going to Colleen. And uh, as I said, there's a colour version of it and uh, there's the black and white. And, and only recently I saw... One uh, where it was taken from a lower angle, yep. which has probably got a better shot of my other son who's yeah. a bit out of, out of whack there. Yeah. So I'm going to try and find that one as well. But uh, no, that for me is uh, was everything. It was about uh, the field of dreams always for me, the MCG, the ultimate success of a Collingwood Premiership with people who I generally had great affection for and uh, number 36 right up the top of that mm. and then my two little boys and people say to me was it yeah your best day of your life it, like it's a trick question mm. I said it was and they said well, what about when your kids were born and I said I said <laughs> I sat with my boys yeah. with my wife for something that meant everything to me from the time I can actually remember my <laughs> memories <laughs> of a Collingwood premiership and I played a small little role in it but with these guys who gave everything of themselves played in a drawer just to give it a little bit of extra and then we come out and flogged them the next week and it was everything and uh, and the cup is going to be at Collingwood forever. <laughs> that was the best day of my life. <laughs> when Swanee kicked that goal and jumped up and uh, punched the air. Man, how good was that? <laughs> yeah, that's what I knew we'd won. Yep. Um, yeah, no, it was obviously an unbelievable day. Um, I think that was the first time. I think we started. I think Maxi actually started that tradition um, going out there. And you said that and people ask me what the best moment of of the granny and stuff is and it's nothing to do with the game it's it's probably that moment i've obviously done a little bit of speaking yet um <laughs> and, but that moment because the the crowd's gone there was just the cleaners um cleaning the seagulls seagulls around lot like, yeah. the mcg like, pretty much deadly silent walk all out walk all out there now maxi got us in and just sort of looked at each other and you know boys you know rem- this is remember this um, now I can't remember what most people said, but it was just look each other in the eyes, go around and what it means to you. And it was all, you know, exactly the same stuff you said, just but that moment being with just the 20, 22 boys out there on our own, then singing the song in the middle of the quiet MCG, that was um <coughs> it was easily the best part of the of the day. You know, people ask about celebrations and I go, I'm like, well, if we finish last, if we come last, I'll win a game all year. 
I'm still going out after a game and drinking and doing Mad Mondays now. So it's, you might be a bit happier. You're obviously a lot happier after mm-hmm. that, but you still finish every season the same with a Mad Monday on the drink. So you don't drink anymore because you win a premiership. It's mm-hmm. You might have a smile on your face, but that moment there is where you just... It's just you boys. There was a million people in the rooms, as you know. You couldn't swing a cat in there. Like, it took you an hour to get to your parents. You obviously hugged them. They were crying. That was awesome. But when you go out there and just the boys that you, you work for, you know, Eight quarters for that was that's the moment that absolutely stands out in, in my head. Can you remember walking out of that circle? Because uh, I was really conscious to not, you know, get in the way of things. And and then when you guys were there, stayed there for a little while, then I, I moved inside. And that's why when the photo was uh, appeared, uh, you know, I knew exactly what was in my head, and it, was, it meant so much to me. But what was it like for you coming off? Because I remember being in the rooms when you guys came in, and there was a, there was a, a not an eerie silence as mm. such, but there was a contemplative silence of job well done and you know you're, a lot of you had your bare feet so you're walking mm. you know these days they call it earthing don't they uh, but you've walked from the middle of the MCG across that famous ground and then uh, you know I just would have thought that might have been one of the, yeah, the most uh, rewarding walks of your life yeah I think it was probably a, a sense of achievement in what we'd done too because initially you see Luke when the game goes Luke Ball he's like he's played the Saints it's more relief as you know you work everything you work so hard to do and it's just like you don't breathe all year because um, you have to work so hard. You're getting your ass kicked. You're working hard. Your blood, sweat, and tears. Meat is everywhere on you. So you're really playing at AFL, AFL, especially at Collingwood. The high pressure environment of Collingwood is you. You don't really get a chance to breathe all year. And the one chance, there's only one team that gets to experience that every year. And just when you, the final siren goes, you're just like, pull up. All right, now we've done it. Now, and then obviously the, the carry on happens. You jump on each other. Obviously the, the screaming and. Or the carry on that everyone sees, and then you go inside, grab a beer, and hugging and singing the song. But then that had been what maybe two hours after the game, so you probably had just a little bit of time to reflect and, and sit down. And walking back was yeah, it was just probably just that moment of reflection. Like we may never get back here, we expected to, but um, boys, just make sure you soak this memory in because yeah. um, and obviously you know things will get a bit blurry from the night onwards but that's probably that last moment of clarity you have leaving the MCG before obviously you get on the drink and everything I wonder you know, given the fact that we had two weeks of it and uh, the second week was a bit obviously um, it was a little bit tempered because of the, the draw and everything and then we came out and, and really played our, our style of game and I think and I've asked this to you Ralph um, I felt that Melbourne really benefited from playing in Perth I felt that um, all the ghosts of everybody talking to them, because in grand final week you can't go anywhere, yes. you know, yeah. in Melbourne, and the build up to Melbourne and the dogs, you know, they'd won one, so they, they, they you know, and there's no doubt that they, their next two years was affected by the fact that it was just such a, a, a big result. Um, I just wonder, you know, I think Melbourne would be far better at having a season out the MCG and enjoying it, yes, because they they're able to get away from it, stay in their bubble over there. And uh, and have the win. I guess it's a great unknown, but um, yeah. like so now with my racing work, I take really seriously, obviously, and it's my what pays my way. And you tend to cut away noise when it comes to results. Mm. And it was funny. I think that was a media story, as opposed and rightly so. Mm. You know, it goes to Norm Smith in seventies, eighties, but financially, I, I thought Melbourne were certainties. When they ran out, I burst into tears, to be honest, because mm. I just thought we're dead set certainties. We're the best team all year. But I thought the same about Richmond when they had their ghosts and. Mm. Western Bulldogs. It was. Uh, it was that not the. Not, they weren't being judged on what was happening that year. It was being judged. You know what happened. 
to Richmond 2007. I, I just wonder, I just wonder though, when you're 16 points down and everyone looks in the stand and you see the whole uh, members with their heads in hands. Um, uh, you know, leaving. It does. <laughs> leaving. Or leaving. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, and all that sort of stuff. It, it can. I mean, I still, but I still feel that sometimes at Collingwood. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be getting into the crowd. You know, if, you know. Because, <laughs> Do you no, what, room, Dave? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so. But I'd be getting into people going, well, now's the time to cheer, yeah. right? Yeah. With three goals down. If we're four, we're in trouble. Now's the time to get the Collingwood yeah. chant going. Don't chant when we're six goals up. You know, <laughs> that's what we want. No, that's sensational. Anyway. No, <laughs> mate, uh, you've been so generous with your time. Really appreciate it. And uh, and I think you've got a future in the media. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see how we go, guys. But uh, go on here, Sam. Thank you for very much for being here. Ralph, great, all, only great memories of our times on, on the shows we've worked on. And uh, the great man over here, as I said, uh, one of my favourite uh, people of all time for so many reasons. And... Uh, Get on your swan. Thanks, mate. Thanks, thanks, thanks for us. providing me with the, the greatest photo I've got in my life, mate. No worries. Except for my wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>